the Betfair Exchange. More ways to bet, more ways to win. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong Podcast. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate online resource for racing fans. Welcome on to the Final Furlong Podcast as we review a fantastic but at the same time somewhat dark weekend's racing and somewhat literally as well. I'm your host, Emish Kennedy, alongside Nick Luck. Hello. From the brilliant look on Sunday, you were covering a range of topics yesterday. Good to have you back on the show, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me back and uh, returning the favour. Absolutely, absolutely. And apparently I'm going back in the new year, so face for radio rating ideal. Uh, from God, Bet- they never told me that. <laughs> oh, sorry to break the news to you. Uh, from uh, our new sponsors and uh, making his debut on the show, it's Betfair Barry. Barry Orr! Hey there, Emmett. Welcome along to the show, my friend. Are you well? Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm very well. Just happy to be uh, to be making my my first appearance on the show among three titans of the turf, such as you guys. So uh, I'm truly honoured. Well, it's uh, wow. it's it, that that's a high praise indeed, and we'll be looking for a very nice Christmas present on the back of that. And also the racing writer of the year who submits unmissable content at theraces.com. It is the one, the only Kevin Blake. Lee Motter's head was the racing writer of the year. Is he here? What'd you get? Specialist writer of the year? Bruff had a right go. Bruff had a... No, it wasn't Bruff. It was Richard Faye had a right pop at Lee yesterday on uh, on Look on Sunday. It was, I was getting the popcorn out. It was hilarious. Uh, specialist racing writer of the year. We can give you both, can't we? Just like, claim it, put it on the LinkedIn page. Uh, Hello! The, the big... Yeah, well done, Kev. The big question ahead of this podcast and... It's just best to go straight into it, is this. Barry, do you still wear the Google glasses? <laughs> yeah. I tell you, I have a couple of pairs of Google glasses and I'm going to give them to you because you're so, you're, you really do <laughs> like these Google glasses. I'm going to give them to you and you can put them up as a prize for the uh, Christmas quiz. <laughs> oh! You just need Google to support them again. That's all you're going to need because you're looking into tin air. A lot of people would say I was looking into tin air as it was, but... <laughs> They were definitely supported once upon a time, but I'm going to send them down to you and Kilkenny Emmett and you can have them to give away to one of your listeners for the Christmas quiz. Now, that's a verbal contract. Uh, Barry is sending them to Kilkenny. The question is, will there be a listener who wins or will they just be staying here? If if the final furlong competitions that you normally run are anything to go by, no! Mug sent left, right and centre. Second prize is two pairs of them. <laughs> uh, right, let's start with Sandown, shall we? The Betfair. Uh, and Ken Kennedy might throw in a Supreme Racing Club scarf. Jesus well. Christ. Do you know, lads, I found, I said this to, to Jess the other day, I found a bag full of Supreme Racing scarves, key rings, pens. Now we know where all the money was going. <laughs> it was all going well, then, and it'll all be given away in a Christmas quiz. <laughs> but it's fantastic. But it's fantastic, isn't it? Because it's um, it's fifteen scarves for all twelve members of the syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I reckon if I if I show the scarves, does it mean I can claim ownership of Kenboy? Probably, possibly, possibly. Uh, dearie me, God Almighty. Anyway, the Bedfair Tinkle Creek Chase was undeniably the feature race of the weekend, one of the feature races of the season, and this is right up there with some of the best that we have seen. Uh, in terms of the Betfair SP and moves on the exchange beforehand and the reaction anti-post for the champion chase market, Barry, what's the story with the Tinkle Creek pre- and post-race? 
Yeah, it was a fantastic race, wasn't it? His, his bet for SP was 3.55, which is just over 5 to 2. He hit a high of 5.6 in running. He just Obviously, it was his first time wow. in open company over two miles. And just a couple down the backside before he turned out of the back straight, he got in close to a couple. But he seemed to correct himself. And obviously, Undeso put it up to him all the way to the line. Undeso traded at a low of 1.68, which is 4 to 6. It's hard to, it's hard to believe. Undeso had won 14 races before Deffy de Soil ever made it to a race course. You know, the, the the years between them, obviously, Undeso turning 12 just in a couple of weeks. But what a fantastic run from him. It truly was a great race. You know, it was great to be associated with it from a sponsorship point of view. It was so important that the, the eight ran as well. There was no non-runner to bring it down to the seven. It would have been just taking the gas out of the race for a lot of punters. But, uh, you know, he looks he looks the real deal. Definitely over two miles now. It's, it's a market that it's got a bit of confusion in it in that Altior heads the market at the moment. Um, whether they switch him back to two miles or not remains to be seen. But you've got Willie's horse in there, Chacon Pursois, Defi de Soil's in there, 5.5, which is 9-2. to two. And Killis Emery, the other horse we'll speak about very soon as well, has come in for a bit of support for the champion chase. So it's a real live market at the moment, although a bit of confusion with Altior heading it. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and last year we had Undeso running arguably his best ever race, finishing second to Altior. It was a, it was a cracking finish. Uh, I kind of thought Undeso would be able to win this year, but this renewal, Nick, was right up there with some of the greats. You could even go back and say this is alongside Moscow Flyer, Azerti up in Welchief. It was a stunning finish, and we've got a real exciting new kid on the block. Well, there probably wasn't a horse going into the race with legendary status, even though Undeso has partially earned that because of his longevity but there wasn't a, a moscow flyer or a, or an alti or a sprinter sacker going into the race but i think it was a well up to standard grade one and i can't think why you'd look anywhere else other than running in the champion chase if you were defi de soy's connections i thought he traveled superbly picked up really well we know he's really effective around cheltenham he's a sort of horse who seems to be better the stronger the pace is he wants delivering late i think there's far less margin for error running him in the champion chase than there is in, in any other race and that's firmly where I'd be headed I thought it was a very complete performance from a very complete racehorse and a very significant victory I think for for Barry Garrity in a race which he's been inextricably associated with down the years with some of the very best horses to have won it it seemed fitting that he should produce a uh, a Ryan performance of that uh, of that ilk at this particular time a week after he was getting uh, a pretty heavy shellacking from some quarters for Newbury and then Newcastle. Yeah, it's nice to see Barry Gardy back in the winner's enclosure, Kevin. This was a, a fine performance, but I think to take the scalp of Undeso, like Willie was saying, if it was the if it was the other winning post, they might have held on. To take his scalp is no mean feat. This is a proper horse now. Yeah, look, uh, good solid performance. Um, he showed us something that he hadn't showed us before um, in that he can show top class form in a well-run two-mile race. Uh, we'd, we'd never seen that from Defi Desai before. That was the question mark for me coming in. And uh, and he did everything he needed to do. His jumping w- was good in the main. Like, he's a horse that I, I, I think, you know, Barry delivered him to lead at the last. Um, I'd say if he could ride it again, he would have waited even longer. I'd say, he, and he, he seemed that way last year as well, you know, last season, I should say. And the later he was delivered, the better it seemed to suit him. So I'd imagine that that is something they'll take forward from it. Um, look, this I, I just I find myself not wanting to get too carried away with the bear form. Um, under so legend, clearly. Um, you know, this wasn't really his ground. Um, officially soft, a time form of called it good to soft. And um, yeah, look, definitely the soul was was value for more than a neck winning margin. But I just I just don't want to get carried away from, from you know 
uh, you know, under so was just about to turn 12. Um, and it wasn't really his ideal conditions. So I just, and, you know, waiting patiently, who has ended up being a little bit disappointing. I know you could, you could read this as being a bit of a revival for him, but I just, I just wouldn't be getting as excited as some war about this race on Saturday. And I personally now, and again, I don't want to be pouring cold water and everything, but I think it might be, and I saw loads of people um, going down this road on Saturday, you know, saying that this Tingle Creek was up there with the, with some of the most memorable ones of, of recent decades. God, I couldn't have that. Um, definitely the so for me looked a uh, looked the winner all the way up the straight and just made things difficult for himself by by idling close home. Uh, you know, this this wasn't anything like your your Moscow Flyers, Azerty, as well, Chief. That that those sort of races, you know, that those are on a on a different planet to this contest for me uh that's it that is a subjective thing but uh look there we go that's it with Jeffy Desai I'd be with Nick um stick to two miles uh no business you know he clearly would be fine in the likes of a Ryanair over a mid-range trip but um yeah champion chase is where it's at for him I think and um looking at the division and where we are at the minute he's sure to be a leading contender in it going forward yeah he has to be I think in terms of the enjoyment of the race and what we saw that's what put it there alongside Moscow Flyer and Azerty Open and World Chief. It's a very, very lofty level to, to put them at, but it was a thrilling finish, and particularly with waiting patiently, staying on so well. I can't quite understand why he didn't go to Huntington. He's just, he's better over further. He was a King George horse last year, now you're running him over wow. two miles. He could, he could nearly, he nearly won the Tingle Creek. So, mm. you know, it was an enterprising bit of placing. I'm never going to crab, I'm never going to crab connections for choosing the more difficult option when, when a horse gets to that level. Yeah, and, I, and it, I, I can't quite understand why they're not having another crack at the King George. There's nothing in his profile conclusively to me that suggests he wouldn't have a pretty good chance of getting the trip. Last year was his race and it didn't happen for him because he got brought down. If they were confident that he'd get the trip there, why wouldn't they be confident now? He's got form around Kempton. If they can keep him in one piece, he's clearly a horse you need to, to keep together with, with string a little bit. But if he comes out of the race well and they're looking for an option at uh, uh, Kempton over Christmas... Why not give him? A, why not give it a whirl? I mean, you're not going to get too many goes with him. Yeah, I think the key word you use there, Nick, is confidence. And I'd say they're just lacking confidence with the horse at the minute. Yeah, uh, it's been a long time since he's won a race, nearly two years. Uh, things haven't gone straight forward since then. And I'd say confidence is just lacking. And they're lucky they don't want to be. They don't have the confidence to throw him into what looks a particularly deep King George. Would be my read of it. You know, you look at it, Kevin, really, he's had such a light career, such a light career. He's only had 13 runs. Mm. And you take into account the first five of those came at Hexham, Doncaster, Sedgefield twice and in smallish races. He's really only been in, in deep company yeah, half a dozen, eight times. And he's run some absolutely massive numbers. And you just, you just feel they need a clear shot at good races with him. And, and mm. he will land on a big one. This is why I can't understand they're not going to go for the King George. And it's just probably because it's such a red-hot race. Maybe they feel they have no place in it. But it doesn't... Like, if you're going to stick to this division, it's not going to get any lighter. So, have a crack. I see, I see he's entered for the Paddy Rewards Club race on um, on Friday the 27th in Leopardstown. Is this the? Two, is this what we call the Paddy Power Tinder chase? Is it the... <laughs> over two, a, mile two mile one. one he is yeah. ground dependent though as well, isn't he? He wants it soft. I yeah. think that's generally accepted and it looks like potentially he could get that Leopardstown at Christmas as opposed to maybe Kempton. That, wow. might, that might colour their uh, thinking somewhat, but um be interesting to see if he goes to Leopardstown for that. That could He could potentially take on Chant Poursois there. Yeah, well, but this is the thing. We saw him work the other day and, and Kevin was telling us off air that there's jockey cam footage of uh, Danny Mullins doing a piece of work on him, but we haven't seen him on the track 
since the Punchestown Festival. Uh, that'll bring us to Cork, then for the 235 on the Sunday, the Kerry Group Hillyway Chase. I was asking you off air, Barry, so we'll, we'll ask you now. Any effect on the champion chase market on the back of Silius Emery's victory over Ballyoshin? Yeah, there wasn't a sports book. He had been 12 and he was cut into around a 7-1 to one mark. On the exchange, he had been 14 and 16. He's 9.8 now on the exchange, which is just 9-1. to one. Like I said, the market headed by uh, the questionable Altior in that whether he runs. And uh, ahead of Killis Emery is, is uh, Chacon Pourçois, his stable companion and Defi de Soil. So, you know, it, there looks to be a bit of strength and depth in, in that in that now Chilis Emery he did what you'd really expect him to do considering the price he went off at I think he he was uh, I think he went off around the 4 to 5 mark he was 1.81 in the exchange about for SP so you know I wouldn't I don't think that was a greatest of races I, I wasn't massively impressed with him either I, he just isn't a horse that's caught my imagination yet he did make a few mistakes Kev but I wouldn't be dismissive of thrashing Ballyoshin like that uh, Christmas I suppose is going to be next for him Undeso goes to the Dublin Racing Festival that's when we'll next see him Dovan is out until the new year he's like glass these days so that's a real shame so Shakan Pursois Silas Emery possibly take each other on at Christmas with waiting patiently in the mix as well Kev um, I think Willie was making night I could open to correction now but I think Willie was making noises that they might skip Christmas with Silas Emery um, given that it's, it's, it's a relatively short gap from now to then um, and in terms of the performance here, like to be fair to Silius Emery, uh, you know, he's effectively a novice. It was only his third start over fences. Um, very hard to put a level in this race. Ballyoshin was the only other finisher. And we know he's a horse that probably prefers a sounder surface. Um, and the thing with Silius Emery for me is his jumping so far, like, it can certainly improve. He's still a baby over fences, really. It just lacks a little bit of consistency, a um, little bit novice in places here. But the, I suppose the most encouraging thing was that when the race really heated up, um, his jumping was definitely better. Um, so, you know, room for improvement, but definite scope for him to get better in that regard. Um, the engine certainly seems to be there. Um, looking back, you know, I look back over his form over hurdles. Even he, he's always been a good horse. Yeah. So, um, I, I, would, I wouldn't like to say he isn't a champion chase horse, but a work in progress would be how I describe him. Okay, if you want to read the full thoughts of William Mullins, I highly recommend that you go to jumps.attheraces.com, where Kevin Blake conducted a stable tour with the Irish champion trainer. I think it's the biggest one on the site. There's just an endless list of horses because Willie Mullins is the king. Uh, you can get his thoughts there at jumps.attheraces.com. The Reed Road to Cheltenham at, at racingtv.com. Henry VIII Novices Chase gave Lydia Hislop a huge big smile and a punch of the air with delight. Uh, it was also a huge success for Adam Wedge and Evan Williams. Big grade one success for them and also for the Ruckers who have spent a fortune on horse racing and get a grade one. Adam Wedge's first grade one as well. Uh, big success this one and a bit of a surprise as well Nick um, yes a surprise to some oh. however oh. however he'd want to there's no way of saying this without sounding like horrific after time <laughs> I, I, strap, I strap yourselves right. in lads <laughs> here so we go just, you know Settle in and get ready for a good bit of after timing here. I wasn't that surprised because I've been at Exeter when he'd won and he absolutely hacked up over a pair of pretty decent horses at the race in the mid-140s. Now, you couldn't have got carried away with that form. You can get a little bit more enthused about this form and particularly the time, which was only a tick outside the time posted in the Tingle Creek. Um, I, I'm wary of that particular comparison that ever since those mighty 
mighty horses, Arrol Durr and Free World, recorded a quicker time than the Tingle Creek <laughs> one year. And everyone got very excited. And look what happened to them, exactly. But uh, he did look good on the on the clock and he did look good to the eye and in Nubi Negra he beat one of the more natural uh, chasing recruits I've seen in a long time and he beat him quite comfortably as well pair clear of what was a good horse in, in, in Grand Sancy over hurdles I think the form's got a, a relatively decent look to it for an English runner only novice chase at this time of year over this distance so there was a, a, a quote in the paper saying quotes of around 21 for the article afterwards make limited appeal well if you were a bookmaker, what price would you lay him at? I mean, he's just he's just hacked up in a good time in a grade one novice chase, the only other grade one two mile novice chase in the UK, this side of Cheltenham. Uh, what price do you what price do you want? I mean, 40, 50, 66? It's, I'm pretty certain he'd end up in the Arkle, and I don't see why it wouldn't be a player, particularly if it runs up like last year's renewal. Well, it's lucky that we have a representative from Betfair here then, because what's the current price in the exchange, Barry Orr? He's 28 in the exchange at the moment. Um, you know, he, he's 20 with sports book Nick's right. I, I, I was impressed with him. I just thought he kept pulling it out. Nuba Negri, you know, had a go at him a couple of times and just couldn't get to him. He, he looks a tough sort. A tough sort is Beffer SP 16.8. I think that compares with the uh, industry SP. But he, he looks a nice horse. It was 13 lengths back to the the, the fencing debut in Grand Sanse. I don't know. You know, I don't know what how, how to read into the form there. Nuba Negre looks like it wants good ground. I think I heard Dan Skelton saying afterwards, and that's probably going to the Kingmaker and and then on to Aintree. They're going to skip the uh, the Arca with him. But from what we've seen at the moment, definitely uh, Evan Williams horse, definitely the best best of the UK. But it's a division that's particularly strong, obviously uh, with some Irish interest in there in Lorena and Fakir de Daris. Yeah, Grand Sansi making his chasing debut jumped like Eamon Holmes. It it wasn't great, uh, which was disappointing. <laughs> because Paul, Paul Nichols had uh, had sounded quite confident on the final Fortnite podcast about him saying he doesn't know it's a great one. Um, but yeah, it didn't really work out for him. And in terms of the form, Kev, you've got Somerville Boy falls, Torpedo didn't really fire, but he's done it stylishly, as Nick said. Yeah, my first impression was, was to kind of go low on the form. You know, Somerville Boy didn't complete, obviously. You wonder with his connections, considering going back to hurdles, he doesn't look the, the most natural of chasers. Uh, Torpeo was very disappointing under pressure. Maybe the ground wasn't quite soft enough for him. He's not, he's not that good either, is he, Torpeo? I don't think. Oh, I, I don't know. I was that. impressed with him at the time before now. I thought he'd nearly win this, but he, he was disappointed under pressure now. His jumping, he didn't seem to get quite in the same rhythm as he did the time before, but... Um, yeah, but I looked at it again, to be fair, in Esprit de Large, when you kind of put all that aside um, and you judge the, the, the winning performance on its merits, you know, it, it was quite good, to be fair to him. Um, and I wouldn't be, you know, we, we often talk about it on the podcast when there's a, a surprise result. Um, it's human nature. People don't necessarily want to believe it. Um, and that's probably reflected in the, the prices knocking around for the article. But in fairness to him, it was a good, solid performance. Um, it beat uh, a promising horse in Nuba Negra, which was you know, fair and square. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't fall into the trap of under, underestimating him going forward now. He's a, he's a promising horse. The final race of the day at Sandown turned out to be a complete and utter disaster. Uh, Barry, you were there. We've lost... Hublon de Sobo, which was a terrible tragedy. What happened, as I understand it, could have happened on the gallops. It was just awful that it happened on, on a race course. But the subsequent uh, actions are a complete and total cluster, insert colourful language. Um, it's an omni-shambles. 
Seven jockeys have been banned for 10 days. They are appealing it, and, and some of them aren't talking. But you've got a guy with a yellow flag. The yellow flag means void race. There was confusion clearly on the faces of some of the jockeys. One did pull up, but others were trying to communicate to him. Being there on the day, Barry, it was... And I know you said not to mention this, but fair play to, to you. You did refund on the sports book. Um, obviously, you have to do that, but you paid out in the winner. But as a spectator, the lack of communication, the waiting around to find out what exactly was going on, it's the pitch dark, it's the middle of the night, the connections are clueless, the punters are clueless. It just wasn't good enough. No, it's it's really disappointing, but I think the I hope the BHA I'm I'm sure they have learned from it and it looks like they're gonna they're going to implement real uh, changes there to how they communicate off the back of having an inquiry that they'll void the race immediately and that will be announced. And you know, I, I felt sorry for the, the punters who were there betting in cash on the day and there was a really good crowd in Sandown. There was a real buzz around the place. It's the London National, it was a big race, big finale to what had been a great day. And they're going around, scratching around the ground, looking for dockets that they've thrown away after it was announced sometime later that the the race was void and it was all money back to punters. So, you know, you've got to feel sorry for those guys. Online guys, that can be returned anytime. Um, so it's not an issue for them. But for, for the punters who were there on the day to enjoy what was a great day's racing and a great spectacle, you know, the, the Tyndall Creek had been such a good race for everyone to watch. And it was the, the, the lucky last and everyone was having a few quid on, going to go home happy. And then they end up throwing dockets away and they're looking for tickets. And I suppose you've got to feel really for the, the jockeys who have got 10 day suspension. They're appealing. And I hope the, the BHA look on that with some leniency. Obviously, rules are rules. and But they're... You know they're riding in a you know they're riding in a race where they're they're among other runners. There's a bit of a herd mentality as well. Geez, he's gone on. Should I go on? Should I stop? What will I do? And rode out the finish. And obviously they've been punished for that. But I really hope at this time of year, especially when there's so much good racing, that the BHA just show a bit of leniency and uh, and use a bit of discretion in this. Jamie, Jeez, I disagree. I disagree, Barry. You know, mm. I I I don't think they can have any complaints. Um, and it's maybe a bit a bit of a tough way to look at it, but look, they're licensed jockeys. They they they're educated on stuff like this all the time. A yellow flag means the race is over, safely stop. And the race is not being stopped for the crack of it. It's because there's something serious up ahead of you. Safely bring your horse to a stop. They all saw it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have went around the but fence. Did they, they all they would, see it, Kevin? Well, they would, if they didn't see it, there would have been some confusion about them going around the well, fence. Well, obviously, like well, you're saying, they're all liars then because they've gone in and they said they haven't seen it. If, if I if I had a penny for every light I was told in the stewards' room, I'd be an absolute millionaire. They, well, I've never there, been there, privy there, to they're not been, on television. Well, there would there would there would have been some more confusion uh, approaching the pond fence if mm. they they didn't hear the whistles, they didn't see the flag, and I'm just I'm just really happy that this wasn't a proper disaster. Because ultimately, they're, they're going around in S-Bend. They don't really know what's around uh, the far side of that S-Bend. As it was, the screens were up around a stricken horse. There was veterinarians and staff knocking around. The, all, all those people in the area of that stricken horse would have been under the impression that the race was stopped because they all have walkie-talkies. The message that has gone out in the walkie-talkie is the race is stopped. If one of those vets or staff members had innocently stepped around those screens at the wrong time, they would have got absolutely ploughed over by seven horses ridden by jockeys who didn't uh, follow the order. So you're, you're saying stop. they've intentionally 
put themselves and anybody on that track in danger. They've intentionally done that. I don't they, think they, they have. They looked up, they saw a yellow flag, which means stop, and they didn't stop. Jockeys know, and if they don't know, they should know, that a yellow flag means the race is over. Safely stop. Seven of those lads kicked on. And they endangered, they endangered a whole pile of people by doing so. They don't know. Maybe they assumed it was a stricken horse. What if it was a bunch of, uh, what if it was a bunch of protesters lying down in the middle of the track? Maybe that was the reason the race was stopped. They would have galloped over the whole lot of them. They well, don't know what's ahead of them. What about the that's, why, that's why the flag is used. Yeah, but the you've race got one, is over. You've got one individual holding one yellow flag, and he's not waving it furiously. They, he's they, pointing they, they, it. They saw it. They saw it. They went around the fence. He's pointing. They if they if they didn't see him, they wouldn't have went around the fence. But the way that it, he's this holding is very it, straightforward. The way he's holding it, does, it. It doesn't matter. They saw him. They saw him. They went around the fence. They saw him. Maybe he should have been waving the flag more vigorously. Yeah, tiny details. They saw him. They heard the whistles. They saw him. I don't know how you can be so adamant about that. I don't know how you can either. I've watched it a hundred times. You watch the body language of those jockeys. Some have quite clearly visibly looked up and have had a moment of doubt. But there's, if, if there is any doubt about them seeing the flagman, there is, there is an element of them pulling up to try and go around the other riders to jump the fence. Because otherwise they'd be carried out. If they, do, if they don't see a flag, that fence is being jumped in their minds. They clearly see the flag. They, make no, they take no um, action to try and jump the fence because they know the, the fence isn't being jumped because they see the flag and they hear the whistles. Jamie Moore pulled his goggles down and seemingly tried to communicate to, to the individual. I don't think I want to stand on a race course waving a yellow flag, but I will say that he is just standing there holding it. He's not waving it vigorously. Uh, the point's been made on, on social media by a number of people, Nick. We're in 2019. There are LED advertising hoardings all around race courses. There's a massive big screen at most race courses as well where you can, Richard Johnson looking at himself and spend at isolation at Aintree, for example. Why can we not have digital wow. LED lights that that, that well, clearly you, you can't signify I mean, upgrade, upgrading roads to smart motorways has been the bane of many a motorist life in the last four years and I, i'm suggesting it's not a viable option on a race course i you you, you can't have led displays at every fence I, no no I'm, no, I'm no. Why, sure why can the that, why can the individual that, himself that are, that are easily visible why can the individual himself not have led light and it's light, it's flashing yellow and white, and that means void race, as opposed to a flag that is being pointed in a direction, which well, is the direction they go as around. As has been pointed out in, in, in other sports, you know, which F1 driver was it who said that you can have all these LED displays, but the one, you know, the one universal symbol of stop is a flag, um, and, and the most effective one as well, because it's the easiest to see when you're going at speed. And uh, I, I, I mean, you can make the flag whatever color you want. This is, I think, this is, I think we're getting into uh, detail that's unnecessary here. I think there were several learnings to come out of Saturday. The most important one is um, that when the director of racing, Clark of the Course, calls a void race, it is a void race from that moment. So yeah. if he has ordered a yellow flag signal, there isn't any debate. Doesn't take 25 minutes for the stewards to ratify it. Once it has been declared that that race is to be stopped by the person who has who has command of that decision, then the race is stopped. So therefore, that should be communicated to everyone on the course instantly. So as soon as he says on the walkie-talkie, get the yellow flag up, race is off, race is void, we're stopping it, then the race becomes void. Whether he's right or not, the race has to become void because as soon as that yellow flag has gone up, 
even if you don't agree with the decision, at least one jockey will see that flag and pull up. So therefore, it's no longer a fair contest. So it has to be void as soon as that command has gone out. So as soon as that command has gone out, why can that then not be communicated to the entire crowd in the middle of the commentary? I'm just hearing over my headset, the race is now void. This race is not taking place. No matter what the jockeys go on doing, that race is void. Then no one is in any doubt. Refund all stakes, race is void. Yeah. And that was one of the, part of the reason why there was so much um, chuntering and understandable chuntering on Saturday and serious uh, disgruntlement on the part of the punters who were there at Sandex because no one knew what was going on and everyone was standing there in the dark, both literally and metaphorically, mm. for half an hour. Um, notwithstanding the fact that you had a, a fatally injured or already dead public favourite horse lying on the track and um, you know, a, a putative result that didn't exist, it all contributed to a pretty sorry mess. Yeah. Uh, on the on the point of the jockeys, I, 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 you can argue till you're blue in the face about whether 10 days is too harsh. You can relativise it to other offences that you think are worse or more egregious, but... It's 10 days in the rule book. They're going to get 10 days. And I'm afraid they have to have, they have to have 10 days for all the reasons that Kevin's already given. Do I sympathize with them? Yeah, to an extent. Do I think they should have the bans rescinded? No, I don't. Is it going to need a very, very good brief to get it rescinded? Yes, I suspect it will. But I don't think it will be. And I don't think it should be. Um, are there learnings to take out of it from the track's point of view? Yeah, I think there are. I think I was the thing that surprised me, Andrew Cooper was great when he came on the show yesterday and, and gave a full and frank appraisal of what had happened. But... You could see that his. You could see from the actions of, of some of his ground stuff, and he confirmed it that his decision to to put the yellow flags up had been taken probably a minute, minute and a half before the horses were actually brought to a stop. And the reason they could only be brought to a stop there is because there are only three yellow flags situated around the course. Now, for my money, you want to be getting those horses stopped as quickly and safely as you can once you've called it void, and it, it then it removes the potential for disaster. So, I think if there is a lesson to be taken we need to issue more people with yellow flags but then you need to have more people that you trust to hold those yellow flags so you don't get a rep replica of the sedgefield disaster a few years ago when someone raised one in error and voided a race when there was absolutely no need to so we need to train up our staff more efficiently um race course staff more efficiently get all of them equipped with yellow flags probably have a couple at each fence and then the likelihood is the horses would have been brought to a conclusion sooner i think that just about covers it they should probably be in some kind of fl fluorescent gear as well that is representative of the race course because this is going to be a great incentive now to anybody who wants to protest horse racing walk onto the track with a yellow flag yeah but I mean, you can't carry on like that i mean any tick can do anything they want whenever they want so you know you can't you can't run your you, you can't run your your sport on the basis that some lunatic might do something silly mm. uh, otherwise 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 you wouldn't run any race any day and just in terms of from the communication perspective, like this is something that this was clearly a very, very unusual incident that might not be repeated for quite some time. But in terms of communicating to the public and making certain things official as quickly as possible, this is something that's come up quite a bit. There was, I recall, a case during the summer, um, this side of the water at the Curra, um, there was interference in a finish, not affecting the winner. Seward's inquiry called and it was 20 minutes before they sorted it out and gave the winner all right. The winner was never in any semblance of any sort of danger whatsoever. It took him 20 minutes to sort out the ban for the defending rider in behind. But meanwhile, the whole thing was held up. Like, I think if a steward's inquiry is called, the very first question that needs to be asked is, does this affect the winner? If the answer is no, then that needs to be announced. 
um, and it isn't always done so like that, um, which I think is a bit of a mess. Because again, like Nick says, this could have been sorted out very, especially quickly. You announce that it's a void race, all bets are void. Then you talk to the jockeys and you sort out what you're going to do with them. I think uh, in, in this day and age, especially when you know it, it's it's in everyone's interest for there to be as much betting turnover as possible, and a situation where stakes are held for 20 minutes, 25 minutes longer. Um, while these things are, are sorted out from a jockey point of view that has no impact on results, and um, that's just not really satisfactory, is it? To be fair to no. Richard Hoyles, when they threw back to him, he did say, this is going to be a void race. But if, you, if you'd if done a Twitter poll on Saturday morning, who knows what a yellow flag means? What percent do you think would have got it right? <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people who were pundits on the day very, were admitting they Very, very few people would have got that right. And Single yeah. figures. Being, being, being real about it. Single yeah. figures, I'd imagine. And do you know why? Because they don't have to know. They're not licensed jockeys. It, it's great to know these additional things. But they don't have to know stuff like that. It's the jockey's job to know what the flags mean. So this means that Jamie Moore, Daryl Jacob, Adam Wedge, Stan Shepard, Harry Skelton, James, Jamie Davis and Philip Donovan will be out of the lucrative Christmas schedule. 10-day ban kicking off on the 21st of December. That Yeah, and, then, and the next time a yellow flag appears, there, were, there will be no doubt in their minds, you wouldn't hope. Dan Skelton went on a massive, massive rant. But uh, I think you all make very, very good points. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of defence is put up. I think Nick is right. They're going to need a damn good brief, but we'll see. We shall see. Uh, communication from the track wasn't good enough. And Sandown is one of my favourite race courses. Sort that one out. At Aintree, the Randox Health uh, beat your handicap chase, went the way of walk in the mill for the second year in a row. Uh, he is a definite Grand National contender, Nick Luck. Oh, he's a smashing horse as well, isn't he? Wow, isn't Dido Harding a lucky owner? I mean, oh. I'm sure she'd, she'd, con- she'd concede that herself. Yeah. First horse she bought with a bank loan was Cool Dawn, who she rode herself in Hunter Chases and went and won the Gold Cup at a big price. And she hasn't had all that many in the interim, you know, one or two along the way. And it popped up with a, you know, not a horse that didn't cost absolute fortunes that's gone and won two beach, Randox Health Beecher Chases and has been placed in the Grand National. And... Uh, you would you would think once the horse has been around Aintree enough times, you'd think, well, you you can't really see him going three better and winning the Grand National. But but nowadays, slightly different race. He, clearly, th- this is a bare minimum distance for him now. He, he, he'd be happy enough to go around again. And then Robert Wolfe had made the point in his typically, typically brief sort of way on Saturday where he said, yeah, once another circuit, problem is the race is much better. <laughs> so that just about that just about something but but he's put cheek pieces on him and that definitely made a bit of a difference to the way he traveled and you know if 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 he can just squeeze out a few more pounds between now and, and april he'll probably get placed again because he clearly loves the place mm-hmm. and he's been a, a cracking horse for connections and and i love his rider james best as well who is just a born enthusiast for the game he had to be pulled from the Grand National in 2018 on the day, if I remember correctly. But back-to-back winner of this, fourth behind Tiger last year. Uh, where where does he currently sit in the market, Barry, for for the Grand National behind the mighty Tiger Roll? Yeah, he's he's uh, he's floating around the second favorite mark. Obviously, Tiger Roll heads it. No surprise there. He's relatively short, considering. You know, the question marks about his participation off the back of a minor injury and his owner's reticence to to actually say that he's going to run in the race. Nice. Tiger Rolls 8.6, which is just uh, around a 7 to 1 mark. Walking the mill then 22, which is 21 to 1. And Native River just behind him at 23. Mm. But 
Uh, on the sportsbook, they cut him into 20 off the back of that. They halved him in price. He had been a 40 to 1 chance prior to his back to back wins in the beach or into 40. Now, it was an interesting. He had a, had a high of 20 in running on the exchange and had a bet for SP of 12.68. Um, like I said, Tiger Roll heading the market. It's quite a li- liquid market already as well. Uh, it's uh, over uh, 43 grand matching it. So I expect that will just get bigger and bigger. As the me was one to take out of it for me, he traded short on the run-in as well. He traded at a 3.05, which is 2-1. to one. Yeah, he travelled very, very well for, for Brian Frost. I thought he was going to do it for uh, Paul Nichols there for a while, but imagine getting 20s and running and walking the mill. He'd be loving life. Uh, Kev, what was your takeaway from this race? Oh yeah, look, nothing to add to what the lads have said, but massive result for connections here because uh, for the simple point of this will pretty much ensure that he gets into the national bar, something really odd happens. Um, he you know, he was pretty close to, to not getting in last season, snuck in down the bottom off 144. And I'd, I'd imagine Robert Walford would have, would have been cursing the handicapper because he, he dropped him a few um, since then and was off 141 here. Bear in mind the bottom weight in the last few Grand Nationals has been 142, 142, 143, 145. So off 141, um, things would have been getting a small bit ropey for them if uh, if he hadn't have gone very close and it's an ideal result he's won a big pot and we'll see what the handicapper gives him but it'll probably give him five or six or seven pounds and that'll make pretty much guarantee he gets into the national so they can do much as they did last year now and run him in a few novice hurdles between now and then and get him spot on um, so that was a dream result for, for everyone associated with walking the mill on more than one front Okay. Uh, speaking of Grand Nationals, the Welsh National Gold Cup and Grand National itself seems to be on the agenda for Native River, whose task was made very, very simple in the many clouds chase after Mike Bite departed. Uh, he jumped like a bucking bronco when he, he came down there. I presume beforehand, Barry, activity was, was quite strong on, on the exchange. Um, Native River's gone off odds on favourite, but they were kind of locked together there for a little while. Yeah, they were, but the, the market very much spoke in favour of the of Native River as they closer to flag time, and you know he duly obliged. He went out. He basically made all in first time blinkers. He he put in in by and large a great round of jumping and just showed that he's back. I suppose the disappointment in the race was the Briny Force horse that never really got into it. But Native River into eight to one there for the Welsh National. Obviously a stable companion, elegant escape heads that market there. So be interesting to see if they go the Welsh National route to him. He was cut in. He's 27 on the exchange now, which is 26 to one in the Gold Cup market. But it looks like his immediate target's going to be that Welsh National, like I said, elegant escape head in the market there. So Outlander was having his second start for New Connections. He gets smashed up. Black Horton never really got into it at all. It's been splendid isolation for Richard Johnson and Native River. Might bite, Nick. It's, it's a bad mistake, but the problem is his, his confidence was just completely gone last season. And this, is a, this was a chance to, to see what he could do, and he's gone way too early to know. Yeah, first three fences looked good, didn't they? <laughs> <clears throat> Fourth fence less so, and I didn't like the way he, I didn't like the way he approached and jumped the fence at which Nicola Boyne but was unseated because it almost looked as though he said, "Right, off you go." Yeah, it was. Off you go. He's hind. Off you get now. I'm done. But then, of course, he galloped around quite happily on his own. He, he clearly, we know he's a quirky horse. Mm. He's got a little bit of the night about him, hasn't he? But uh, he, he probably thought he didn't, didn't fancy getting into the same sort of red zone that he and Native River went into at the end of that Gold Cup. Um. Uh, it, it would have been fascinating to see how that race would have unfolded had Mike Bite have carried on, whether Native River would have ground him into submission or whether Mike Bite would have taken him on and then have given each other a hard race as it stands. 
my uh, native was a double winner really wasn't he because he he was able to he was able to you know show his all enthusiasm and win the race but also not perhaps quite have the same the same sort of hard race that he might have done otherwise it does kind of trace back uh, to 2018 when he he was beaten in the gold cup in that epic duel with native river he, he ultimately gets well held but he comes out at entry and bolts up never the same since and as nick alluded to that that jump at the fourth last it was almost as the, the fourth going around it was almost as though he kicked nico off him like the, his hind just twisted it was weird yeah yeah look it was disappointing we didn't get to see you know get a better idea of how much ability might bite retains and, and it kind of the race pretty much ended at that point and black carton was never uh, was never competitive at all whatsoever really and native river had a solo uh one well you'd have to say seemed to respond well to the blinkers um you know because of a, a bit of a quirk in the, the handicap handicap system he doesn't have to carry a penalty for this in the welsh national um, which was the case when he won the race a few years ago. So he, he'll be interesting going there because look, we know he stays, he jumps. Um, blinkers seem to have had a positive effect. So it, it looks like Colin Tizard is going to have a, a pretty strong hand for the Welsh National, it seems, if, if indeed Native River goes there. Well, that's that's the plan. So I then have to ask you, Kevin, are you standing by your prediction and your advice to punters regarding <laughs> elegant escape? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Love that run from Elegant, Elegant Escape in uh, the Labrooks Trophy. Again, responded well, I think, to uh, the Blinkers and just one softer ground than a longer trip, which one imagines he will get a Chepstow. And would you like to repeat that advice? Uh, big bar of steel, empty trophy boxes, the whole lot. I uh, get it all in elegant. I think I think a few people have. He's shortened up quite a bit since then. Be doing well if there's anything in trophy boxes this time of year. Uh, yeah, I'm only cutting it. I'd never, I'd never, uh, I'd never encourage fellas to steal. Oh yeah, of course, Kev. Never, never. Uh, we'll switch to Huntington, shall we? The two o'clock, the Fitzstairs, Peterborough Chase. The Great Two went the way of Top Notch with Cardo Rico, who is. Is a distant relation of Carlos Star, uh, running an absolutely blinding race. La Bagua still a bit disappointing back in third. Um, the market spoke very heavily in Top Notch's favour. Uh, better result here for Nicky Barry. Yeah, he was sent off fifteen to eight favour, two point nine eight of Betfair SP. Traded a high of uh, seven point two, which is six to one in running. Um, he was cut. I think he was had been a twenty five to one chance or thereabouts for the. Uh, for the Ryanair and off the back of that win, he's into a round of 14 to 1 mark now, both on the exchange and sportsbook. Cotter Rico, <laughs> he has to get an honourable mention. He had a place SP, Beffer SP of 44, and he didn't go unbacked. He was, uh, I know he's an industry SP 100 to 1, but there was a plenty of each way cash knocking around for him. So good to see each way backers there getting due to reward. But top notch, he's a good servant, whether he's He's just really not a top-notch performer, is he? It was. I know it's a grade two chase to, to Peterborough, but and he's done it well. But I don't think he'd be winning any grade ones before the season's out. Well, not this side of Cheltenham, money. I think I'm interested that there were so many people wanting to get on Rico when you could only have two places. So that that's that's very interesting that there was confidence in him there. Uh, and I'd agree with Barry Nick that he is a grade two horse. He'll probably find it difficult to win a grade one, but God, he's a lovable horse. He probably will. He probably will. I mean, the only the only Grade One I could think that he might run a nice race in is the Ascot Chase. But then you could have a surname turn up for that, in which case he may as well start now. Mm. Um, but he has gone off pretty short price for it before, and he likes the place. He he, he likes going right handed. He likes a reasonably sound surf. He's a super horse, isn't he? Smashing little oh. horse, very genuine. 
but uh, I don't think anyone's going to be getting too carried away for, for big targets. I just guess they'll pick their way through the season. Interesting to see that he wore a tongue tie for the first time at Huntingdon, which makes me wonder whether they're approaching having some wind surgery done. He's must about the only horse. You're about the only high-profile horse in training who's never had any registered wind surgery. Well, <laughs> there is a man who knows a little bit too much about French racing, and that is friend of the podcast, Reese Williams, who contributes to AtTheRaces.com. And he tweeted to say that while most of the media organizations are saying that Top Notch is wearing a tongue-tie for the first time, I can confirm he did wear one in a uh-huh. race in France. Uh-huh. So, so nicely ba- back in 19 diggity do so, back in 19 diggity do soccer blue. He's had a lot. He's had a lot of runs for Nicky Henderson. You know, he's had probably north of 25 runs for for Henderson and over several seasons, even though he's only eight. So, it might just be that they're thinking that he needs something done. Who the knows? Breathing. Great run in, in second from Corto Rico, oh. but it wasn't. It, he should he should have been a sort of 33 40 shot, shouldn't he? Hundreds was probably just on the basis that no one was giving his connections any respect. But he'd be a handy horse for, for Tom Gretton this season if he's just a question of finding the right, right slot for him now. Yeah, it's a nice prize. 14 grand, nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, wind up on the way possibly for top notch. Kev, what's your assessment of him? Um, sure, look, he is what he is. Look at his record outside of grade one company and it's deadly. Uh, he's a grade two horse. Um, and it's nice to see horses like that winning races because they can be, be quite tricky to place. And um, Nicky's done a good job to get him two for two this season. And um, yeah, he'll, he'll probably do well to win another one. But uh, I wish them well. I like top notch. He's just a little bit short of um, the very highest level. Not patronising at all there from Kevin Blake. Yeah, I, it's just, I, just a factual fact. I do have a correction and omission uh, to make, of course. I'm, I'm very sorry about this. Particularly, I'm embarrassed because, you know, Barry's making his debut on the show and I'm making such a blunder. Uh, Min, of course, completed the double. I'm so sorry. Min won the the uh, Peterborough chase and the Punchestown chase at the exact same time. It was uh, quite a remarkable performance from him to be in two countries at the same time. Uh, you shouldn't be getting so much stick, Nick. It's not your fault. Uh, you can't control if Davy Russell gets ill and races, jurisdictions won't hold back races. It's it's not uh, it's not your fault. Um, Davy Russell did pick up uh, an illness. Jack Kennedy took over in Shattered Love and uh, Min came out and basically did what Min does in this race. Kev, he bolted up last year. He's done so again. Uh, Surprising that Hardline was the one who pushed him so hard, but he's been a horse that you've liked in the past. Yeah, I wouldn't say he bolted up now. I'd imagine Barry will tell us he he went a fair price in running now because Hardline, it looked very much on for Hardline. Um, coming down to last and he, he just finished a shade weekly but um, being like a, like you know I've never been 100% convinced that two and a half miles is his best trip I know he did what he did at entry, but um, yeah I just I just think his, his you're clearly perfectly fine at two mile four but I think having a championship pace in front of him over two miles suits him better but look Good winning return, not a grade one in the bag, uh, a fair way off his best performance, I think it's fair to say. But um, yeah, I'd say it'll be better to come from in in the future. Um, you'd have to be delighted with Hardline, uh, very much back to where uh, it looked like he might get uh, coming up to Cheltenham last season before the wheels came off, just a shade. Um, hard to know what his best trip is, whether it's mid-range or two miles. Um, could be a tricky horse to place, but Gordon is brilliant for these horses. He, he finds spots for them to win in. And uh, yeah, presenting Percy, you'd have to say, is one of the stories of the race. Great to see him get back on track over uh, what is an inadequate trip. And yeah, you'd be very much looking forward to seeing him out again, uh, hopefully at Christmas time. 
Um, and yeah, look, that's, that's the story of the race for me. Yep, JJ Slovin uh, took over in the absence of Davy Russell and presenting Percy. It was a fine comeback for him. It's the Savile's Chase at Christmas for him next. Uh, two questions for you. What was the story on the exchange, Barry, with this race? Uh, obviously, Hardline must have traded short in running. And is there a market for the Savile's Chase? And if not, the Gold Cup for presenting Percy, because I'm very, very keen on him for the Gold Cup. Yeah, well, hardline traded at odds on one to three, one point three two for over a grand oh. the run into the to the second last. Min hit a high at twelve for small money now, but more was traded at eight, a couple of hundred, uh, a couple of hundred quid at eight, which is seven to one in running. So that was the story of the race from an exchange point of view. Obviously, looks like he could go for the the the, the Dublin Chase in Leopardstown at Christmas over two mile one in the Champion Chase. He's still eighteen point five in the exchange, where he's favoured in the Ryanair at eight point two, which is just a seven to one chance. So the market's suggesting that he's going to go to um, he's going to go for the Ryanair route this year as opposed to. Uh, as opposed to the champion chase. And then in, uh, in Leopardstown, um, presenting Percy, who's ran a very respectable race indeed. Uh, he's a five to one chance for the Savile at the moment. Kenboy heading that market at 13 to eight from road to respect. But I think, uh, I think presenting Percy's connections, we're quietly very, very happy indeed with his return. Jeez, I'd happily take the five to one about presenting Percy for the Savills with Kenboy having to make his seasonal reappearance. Um, Nick, your take on the John Durkin Memorial Punchestown chase. It's funny, isn't it? Um, it was a, a remarkable performance by the horse to win the race after jumping by his standards quite poorly. And it was almost a slightly stuffy performance, I thought, but he, it, it was a race of significant depth. And we know he's a horse of uh, mid-170s quality when he puts it all in. I'm just not quite sure what his ideal what his ideal circumstances are. I don't suppose his connections are mine because he's won a grade one. So a yet another grade one. And he's a really, really high-class horse. But, of course, I suppose until he's produced his great marquee performance in one of the great races of the season, no one's going to no one's gonna perhaps give him the credit that his overall career profile deserves. And I, I don't really have the answers, to be honest. Sometimes he can look just sensational and other times he can look uh, a little less than sensational. Well, this time on the figures, he's probably produced a, a re- pretty reasonable performance first up, but the manner of it wasn't that exciting. If you were advising Willie Mullins on what to do and which race to target, would it be the champion chase with more positive tactics this time around compared to last year or would you go Reiner? Well, I just wonder whether he's quite, whether he's quite quick enough to, to slide along in the champion chase. And and I know that it's something that everyone was trying to persuade uh, Ruby to do um, against Altior last season, but he, you know, he 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 eschewed that, and there was obviously a reason why he did. Um, and then Willie said after the race, "Well, I thought we should let him play his natural game, but I, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure whether he's a horse that is fundamentally pacey enough to bang out and make all the running. I don't see him as a trailblazer in a champion chase myself. I think he'd he'd be a horse who'd have to sit there and, and hope they go hell for leather and let the race collapse. And presenting Percy, Nick, were you impressed with his comeback? Well, I don't think you could fail to be impressed with his comeback. You know, if the presenting Percy won the RSA two seasons ago ever comes back to the track, then he'd near enough win a Gold Cup. But mm. it's still a bit of an if in terms of you know, his constitution and the, the path you want to pick toward getting back to Cheltenham. I'm really hoping that he can have a, a big season this year. And it's interesting, Kev, that they've brought him out early as well. So hopefully all roads can lead to the Gold Cup. Um, with Min, Kev, is it going to be the Ryanair for him? The champion chase, not good enough? Gold Cup, bottler's chase? 
Ah, if he's mine, the champion chase for sure. Um, keeping the two miles, I think that's his best trip, to be honest. Them um, pace in front of him over two miles, that would be, you know, it's not something that, that you could uh, be 100% bullish on, given that he's, he did what he did at Aintree in the Melon chase. But for me, that that's what he wants. Um, that's what he wants to do. And this season's champion chase is looking up to be, um, per, you know, little bit some cards left to be revealed but it looks like it could be the weakest one that um that there's been for a couple of years so yeah that's what, what i do with him okay and cool. um, presenting and presenting percy yeah like, like last season with him was an aberration you know um up, up until that every season we'd seen presenting percy out early and campaigned aggressively um so hopefully we'll see a return to that with him this season because he, he thrived on busy schedules in each of the two seasons prior to the last one Let's get him to the Savills Chase at Leopardstown over Christmas, shall we? And let's see what he can. Let's see what he's capable of. Uh, Kev, two quick ones to ask you about: Tornado Flyer in the Novice Chase at Navin. Um, yeah, he was fine, wasn't he? He was fine. Um, yeah, no better than fine. His jumping was lacked consistency for me. I'm sure plenty of people would have read it that um, that he might want a bit further. I'm not sure. I don't know. I just I just wasn't blown away with him. Um, copped a bit of a check there before the second last, which wasn't ideal. Looked good and strong up the run in, but uh, you know, for a horse that I, I'd imagine Manny would have been would have had quite high up amongst uh, those novice chasers that they were excited about this season. For a horse that's two for two, he just he just hasn't um, he hasn't lit my fire just yet. Okay, what about the Lisa O'Neill partnered and Gordon Elliott trained £410,000 purchase, Kevin, from the Cheltenham February sale where NFL fans wide receiver. I'm amazed it's not called like bloody wide receiver or death wide receiver. It's actually a decent name for Gigginstown. Well, they related name and they bought him. Oh, fair enough, so fair enough. It probably would be called then domestic abuse wide receiver instead. Uh, in, in which case, well, look at how many of them are done for it, for goodness sakes. As much as I'm a fan of the sport, it's absolutely shameful what goes on over there. Um, what did you make of wide receiver? He cost an absolute fortune and he's made a winning debut for them. Yeah, he was good, wasn't he? And wouldn't have blown away everyone maybe, but um, I liked the, the, the pace he showed to get into the race and get to the front um, and just look raw, just look raw in front. And uh, should be all the better for it. Um, long-term prospect, you'd imagine. And yeah, the perfectly satisfactory and quietly impressive debut, I would say. Okay. Uh, Nick, did you want to add something there? I was were you gonna... referring to Eric Bloodax when you were in your rant to get about Jigginstown name? <laughs> yes. Horses? Yes, so we, yes we, we talked about that finest, last week. Like, finest named horse in training. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, Viking King. Mighty, mighty Viking King, Eric Bloodax. Named as a baby. They had to ambush him to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that you just know straight away the history of uh, Eric Plodax. Well, in truth, in truth, I I um, took the medieval history option at A level, which I absolutely hated. But even though I hated it and wasn't very good at it, but it kind of it remains indelibly imprinted on my mind. Well, some of this stuff. The, so, next, the next time you're in Ireland, come to Kilkenny. You know that Kilkenny is called the medieval city and there is Viking relics all over the place. They, I've, never, I've never been to Kilkenny. They so. went on a rampage here. There's a place called Dunmore Caves and there's all kinds of spears and weapons and Viking coins and all that were found there. The, the natives hid as the Vikings were beheading people and 
going nuts. So yeah. Nick, you'll have to go to the Tiestes in January. That's always a good day out in Kilkenny. The, the race that stops a county. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> yeah, yeah not, not, a, not a bad time for a night out either. Nick. Oh, brilliant. Into Langton's. <laughs> Happy days. Emma, I just might add, Tornado Flurry, he hit a high of 36 in run, and I'm a game changer. There was plenty traded on him at 20 to 1 on, believe it or not, uh, and, and 16 to 1 on wide receiver. He, he did it well, but I think Gordon definitely saying he's a horse for next season. We're not going to see a whole lot of him. He definitely won't be taking in any champion bumper, that's for sure. But the Priest's Leap in the same race, though, caught my eye for Arthur Moore, whose uh, mother sadly passed away just a couple of days beforehand. And it looks like Arthur could have a nice horse in his hands there again, the Priest's Leap, and no better man. So best luck to him with that. Sympathy. Yeah, because Arthur wouldn't wouldn't be typically known for having horses show up Not well in bumpers, bumpers and, no. and when and when they do, as you say, they, they tend to be pretty smart. And this fella's got a got a right national hunt pedigree now. He's um, out of a out of a half out of a full sister, sorry, to Black Jack Ketchum. Oh, proper national hunt family. The John Joe Neal legend. Uh, sympathies to Arthur Moore and his family, God rest her. And uh, yeah, as the lad said, whenever you see an Arthur Moore horse turn up in a bumper, it, it usually means they're quite good. Did you say 30s in running about Tornado Flyer? Yeah, 36 for small quid. Now, he did look beat. When I'm a game changer, <laughs> he went on, it looked all over. But I thought I thought he toughed it out well. I think he's a nice horse. Now, he's, he's two for two over fences. He hasn't done much wrong. He needs to brush up his jumping, but I think he's definitely a horse going places. I think he's, on, for the JLT, he's around 26 or 27 on the exchange, which seems a fair enough price. It's a, not a very liquid market, but if you're just messing around on it for a few quid here and a few quid there, it can all add up come March. Yeah, we better not, we better not move on from Navin without mentioning Festival decks. Go ahead. That won the maiden hurdle at Navan. I, I think this is a right good horse. Okay. Uh, he was very, very good uh, making a winning debut in the Land Rover bumper last season. It didn't seem especially fancied, but uh, worth watching the replay now. Is absolutely jabbed up, uh, despite being quite green. Uh, and uh, it was one. It was one of was quite high up on my list now in terms of looking forward to bumper horses going hurdling this season and uh, I was delighted with what he did in Avon first run back a uh, little bit gassy um, made a bit of a mistake at the fifth last ended up with, with a load to do now three out and um, it didn't really look on for him and uh, the horse is absolutely powered up the run in and ultimately um, won very well like, I, I think this is a really nice horse and wants to go a bit further um, don't know if Gordon will, will rush him this season he's only a four year old but um, yeah, very very nice horse, I think. Yeah, he was introduced into Supreme betting at thirty three to one. Nice. Yeah, I, I suspect they'll want to go further with him, but I could be wrong. There's, um, I think off the top of my head, well, he could potentially go for the the two and a half miler at Nace. Um, the the thing with Ireland and the program is that there's not a great opportunity to kind of go up through the grades. You tend to be funneled into the better races. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Gordon chooses to do with him next but I, I wouldn't be shocked if he threw him into a grade one next time because this, this is a right horse I reckon Okay, put him in your at the races tracker and keep an eye on him over Christmas as well speaking of Christmas by the way uh, the point that Barry made about waiting patiently I think Ruth Jefferson has confirmed now that he is going to come over to Leopardstown for the Paddy Power dial app Tinder chase whatever it's called these days uh, on the on the 27th at rewards club chase there you go thank you very much um, they, they called it a ridiculous app name one year and we just went with that instead um, winding people up on social media this has really got to John Dance there's a lot of things that have disillusioned the leading owner in horse racing uh, lately and he's had his say uh, on social media 
this is to do with little Rory Mack. Uh, this horse was basically done on non-trier rules. I believe that uh, Bruff Scott said, done for stopping the horse on, on TV yesterday with you, Nick. Uh, <laughs> Bruff, is, <laughs> Bruff is Bruff. <laughs> there, were quite, there were quite a few things that Bruff said that uh, were um, not necessarily perhaps the way I'd have put it, but um, but I would I loved have, having him on the show and, and thoroughly enjoyed uh, enjoyed listening to, to what he had to say. Uh, as far as this is concerned, it, the BHA are keen to stress, and they have put this on the record that just because there was no inquiry subsequent to the uh, to the race the other day, it doesn't mean that they're not. It doesn't mean that they can't continue to investigate the circumstances surrounding the the, the relative runs of the horse. Mm. This, so so from an integrity point of view, they 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 want to stress that you know, every horse in every race they can look at at any time. So it doesn't necessarily mean that that you know, they they can't impose any sanction at any point should they believe it's appropriate and should they have evidence to believe um, anything that they haven't already haven't already punished. Um, as far as the owner gloating about winning lots of money on Twitter, it's just yeah. If he wants to, if he wants to be a bit of a sort of an oaf, then that's that's his his issue at the end of the day, isn't it? And and I think he realizes that it wasn't a very sensible thing to do. It was uh, just vulgar, wasn't it? It was vulgar. It's particularly vulgar when you change your profile pic to a handbrake. Yeah, he's he's just acted the tool. He's just acted mm. the tool. You know, ultimately, if he wants to do that. He's free to do that, but we're free. To, but we're also yeah. free and to, then every, uh, to sum and everyone him up as a clown I mean, for doing so. You know? Exactly. The, the key is the, the key is to not not get yourself wound up by it, and to and to only get wound up if you believe that if you believe that rules have been blatantly broken, and then they haven't, uh, and then then the rules haven't been applied properly. Well, they found the rider in breach the previous time, and he was he was given a ban. Um, mm. And then the horse has won. So you can't go back and say, well, yeah, we found the rider in breach. We can find him in breach again. <laughs> you can't punish him twice for the same offense. Yeah. Unless you go back and say, right, well, the connections were lying. The rider was lying. They were all complicit in a, in a, in a conspiracy to ensure the horse didn't run to its, to its best possible place. And we're going to change our initial verdict on the original, on the original run. Uh, you know, you can have whatever your view on that you want, but clearly, as, as David Yates sensibly said on yesterday's program, uh, if I was the owner, I'd have just trousered the cash and kept my mouth shut. Yeah, get it. Yeah. Some guys just can't help themselves, though, can they? Really, they really can't. Them, most definitely, after seeing his uh, his performance on Twitter, it wasn't. It was a massive gamble. It was put in at eleven to four overnight. It's returned fifteen to eight. You know, there's there's many many gambles every day that are much bigger and than that it was just I just think his display and like putting people away early as well I might have a few quid each way or oh it's a bad race all that sort of chit chat online and then he couldn't help himself post race I I saw one picture of him spreading all these winning dockets out on the table I was surprised how much money he could get on to be honest with you of course (laughs) does does, well does that not tell you a story yeah it it does listen It'll it, it'll mean it'll mean that you know he can he can manufacture some more vacuum pouches, which is uh, <laughs> which which will be to the delight of every enthusiastic master chef, the professionals, and Britain's best dish viewer, <laughs> as they used in every every sous vide f- fillet or whatever. 
I tell you, I tell you what, we we could maybe get a bit of a partnership between the between this fact pouch man and the Hoover from Sandown. Did you read about this one? No. (laughs) No. What's this? This was a a hilarious kind of a postscript on a Racing Post article about the void race. Mm. And someone has gone on the record and said that they're a little they're concerned for the people that threw away their their winning do- or their dockets that would have uh, would have, would have been refunded because there's a man that is known as I promise you this is true this was in the paper there is a man known as the Hoover who goes around picking up dockets hoping to find <laughs> dockets that he can get paid out on. Oh no! Uh, they were saying this this avoid race is an absolute bonanza for the Hoover. <laughs> He'd have great sport. <laughs> That's so oh sad. He's literally known as the Hoover. I just thought this was hilarious. Do we have Do we have an ident on the Hoover? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, oh, known solely as the Hoover. There get... used to be There used to be a non-course bookmaker in Ireland whose nickname was the Hoover, but for very, very different reasons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on in. I'll Hoover up all your cash. You can have whatever you want on. Oh, yes, man. I hope that I hope that was it. Oh, that's <laughs> just so sad. That's so. Sad. Wasn't, but, there, wasn't but, there a Seinfeld story about that? About a fellow just going around like picking up betting docks in an off-track betting shop in the. Oh, that's really sad. That's depressing. Uh, the, the, the Hoover drives a Bentley. I'll have you know. Are you joking? <laughs> Next thing you'll be driving an Aston Martin DB9 uh, after, just, after the weekend's void race. Yeah, and the, the number plate will be one one void. <laughs> <laughs> um, very, very... Uh, just, just, just very, very, very quickly on this, um, because I didn't see the BHA address this much, um, which I thought was one of the more puzzling things about the whole fiasco was on penultimate start of war, horses done for non trying, and that the handicapper has, has dropped the horse dropped two the... pounds. That was unbelievable. How does that happen? That was unbelievable. There's no communication between the handicapper and the BHA then, is what we're well, basically like, hearing there. Well, like, I know I'd be much more familiar with, with, the, with the situation in Ireland, but I know if, like, if a jockey so much as reports, uh, uh, you know, at the scales post-race that a horse is hung, you know, the handicapper does not take that run into account. They won't drop the horse. If there's any sort of a negative report, never mind the non-trier's inquiry, never mind the... Uh, a finding of wrongdoing you know you won't get dropped for that run so for this for the for Liam Hurd to be banned for 10 days for the ride on the horse and for it to be dropped two pounds is really bamboozling and I was surprised a little bit more wasn't made of that because that that's a, a very very strange one to me and if if that's something that happens as a matter of course I'm not familiar with any more cases at the tip of my tongue but uh, if it is the case that there's no um, that the rules don't take account for things like this that needs to be remedied ASAP because that very just looks so. horrendous doesn't it it's just it's shocking it's shocking uh, Nick I know that you've got to go you have a, mm. you have a life and uh, and things to do so if you if you want to escape now uh, the the hatch pod is is open. Thank you. Can I just issue one positive? Well, a couple of positive mentions for horses who slipped under the radar at the weekend. Please because do. So much happened at the back end of Saturday. A lot a lot got missed in the early part. And I was up at Aintree, and the winners of the first couple of races, I think you'd be hearing a lot more about. One was Edward Stone, who beat a pretty smart horse called Harry Senior in a in a novice hurdle there, and he did everything wrong. I mean, he pulled like a Mustang. He could never really get switched off, settled. He couldn't get cover because there weren't enough good horses in the race to turn him into it. Winner got first run him. The winner is a really good, strong embryo staying chaser for Colin Tizard. And, 
this horse managed to go past him on the run and giving him six pounds. I thought it was a really good effort from Edward Stone. Well done to him. Well done, Tom Cannon. Treble for him. He's starting to really motor now in his career with a job with Alan King. And the horse of Oliver Sherwood's on the day when they celebrated many clouds. The Hemmings Sherwood Aspel um, horse, Sammy Bill. He's a horse going places as well. He'll win a few more before the season's out. So I think those two are are just a really, really nice horses that are going to give their connections a lot of fun over the next couple of years. Yeah, that Edward Stone, that race in Wincanton's really working out, Nick, isn't it? Mm. Fiddler on the Roof was second that day. and He absolutely sluiced in and sand in. Yeah. yeah, he did. I think I think Edward Stone's good. Is he as good as Sporting John? He won at Exeter. Well, I'm not sure. I'm I, I'm not sure he is, but he's he's very very good. And and I think we're just starting to see some decent novice hurdlers coming out. Big time. Yeah. Edward Stone and Sammy Bill both to be added to the at the races tracker. So with Nick Luck saying lump on next time. Nick, it's a pleasure chatting to you as always. Looking forward to having you on the show early in the new year. Please God. Look forward to it. Cheers, Emmett. Cheers, guys. Barry, oh, Nick. Nick. All the best with Look on Sunday, my friend. We'll chat to you again very, very Thanks. soon. Nick Luck, uh, who you can see Sundays on Look on Sunday. And it's a pleasure to have him on the show, as always. Um, before we go, Holly Doyle, Sky Sports Racing Ambassador, has broken the record for uh, wins for a female jockey in a season. Josephine Gordon, 106 in 2017. Holly Doyle uh, breaking for 107. There was that great video of her parents... Uh, cheering with delight, uh, freaking out because they thought she was going to lose and then freaking out with the sheer ecstasy of her winning. It's a great the story. was remarkably calm first, wasn't he? But, <laughs> but then he just grabbed hold of him. A little bit he, like... Uh, he, he couldn't be guilty of the early shout now. Exactly. No, he, definitely, he wasn't yeah. getting caught up too early. He wasn't, he wasn't doing a me. Easy game! Easy game! And then like <laughs> shuffling Which quietly... In... Three quarters of a mile to run. Exactly, yeah. And then sh- <laughs> quietly shuffling into the background if the horse gets beaten. Uh, or the Vanessa Ryle come on the good thing so that you can just claim that you've backed the winner Um, Barry this is a a, a fantastic story for racing and and Holly has she deserves this she's obviously a huge talent but it's uh, it is quite a story and she's not done yet either yeah hard work and graft really duly rewarded you know you got to put it in to ride that number of winners and she's obviously done it this year she's quoted four to one to be the top all-weather rider this year and that's definitely within her reach um, and she's 5-2 to two to beat the total that she's going to finish 2019 with in 2020 she's 5-2 to two to top that so yeah best to look to Holly Doyle she's she's marvellous what she's done for jockeys uh, not, I'm not even making a distinction as a female jockey she's just she's really riding a crest of a wave at the moment and long may it continue it's some change Kev uh, Haley Turner 53 uh, she then broke her own record in, 20, in 2007 with 56 she then hit 100 in 2008 2019, Holly Doyle's riding 107. Like, things are going in the right direction, and it's been said on numerous occasions, and it's something that I very much subscribe to, and Barry's alluded to it there as well. It's no longer about gender, it's about your ability. Well, it is about gender, though, isn't it? There is a wider conversation here. Technically, it isn't, because they're all on level terms. Jeez, you're quite contrary tonight, aren't you? Oh, here. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> my, my, my views on this are well established. <laughs> Kev wants her having a £3 allowance. Well, it shouldn't be Imagine about that. gender. It shouldn't be. Exactly. Uh, exactly, Barry. But, uh, I, look, I'm delighted for Holly Doyle. She's an absolute professional. Um, and, look, it's impossible not to like her as a personality as well. She's worked very relentlessly hard to get to where she is and um, every credit in the world. But look, the thing is, she's got to keep it going. She's got to keep it going because we've been here before. And this time, two years ago, Josephine Gordon was riding over 100 winners. She was the trailblazer. She was the one that was going to burst through the glass ceiling. Uh, Group one jockey in the making for, as a female jockey, 
Josephine Gordon isn't in the top 50 jockeys this season. Um, her, her number of winners has dropped off markedly. Um, why has that happened? Uh, not for me to answer, but it's happened. Um, and we've seen this uh, we've seen this happen on, on a multiple occasion, um, unfortunately. Uh, so, look, Holly Doyle, I hope she's the exception. I hope she keeps kicking. Um, but, look, ultimately, um, if we're talking about uh, Holly Doyle being, was, was say, for argument's sake, the best female jockey riding in, in Britain or Ireland on the flat, um, you know, if she's the best, if things are as equal as everyone wants us to believe, um, the Group 1 opportunities need to start coming. Um, and it's when those Group 1 opportunities start coming that um, the likes of me will shut up uh, or certainly quieten down. But, you know, there's one thing to ride 100 winners in the season. Um, genuinely remarkable achievement for any jockey, male or female. But if we want to believe that everything is equal, that needs to translate into big race rides, a big job, um, etc. And... Um, and we'll wait and see. Um, yeah, but his, that'll all come on merit, won't it? Uh, you, 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 know, say, you say that, get Barry. You a job but, like that uh, just because of gender. Oh, no. I, of course, it's, it has to be a merit. It would never be on anything but merit. But um, it, it hasn't happened before. And, you know, that's why it, it slightly frustrates me a little bit that this story has been framed in, in recent days and in recent weeks as, oh, Holly Doyle is the one. She's the trailblazer. She's going to burst through the glass ceiling. Um, when we've been here before, um, and yeah. more than once, Josephine Gordon, Hayley it, Turner, and we've been here, we've been here before. And, and, we're, and to me, uh, you know, as someone who is very, um, you know, heavily relies on statistics and, and numbers and in my way of thinking, um, I can't help but step back from Holly Doyle, look at the bigger picture of, of female jockeys, and we still only have two in the top 50 in Britain. Um, you know, Rachel Blackmore is, is out on her own in Ireland uh, in many ways. Um, and we're just, I, I just don't think the progress is being made that um, some people would like us to believe. And I think, geez, I'm sick of talking about it at this stage, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's fundamentally unfair that they have to ride in level terms. Um, there's ample evidence there to back it up. It isn't a, a PC uh, compliant view. It isn't a very comfortable view to take uh, within wider society at the minute. But there is just endless endless decades upon decades of evidence that backs it up and uh, I even if Holly Doyle goes and rides two or three group one winners next season I, I don't think uh, my view is going to be changing because if things are equal with the level of female participation we have in this sport from the grassroots up uh, until it starts translating to uh, something of a much higher percentage of female jockeys uh, participating at the upper echelons of the jockey game. Um, I'm just, I, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. That's just me. Um, and none of that should take away an iota from what Holly Doyle has achieved, not just this season, but in her whole career. And uh, I, I couldn't wish her any more luck going forward. I hope she rides a heap of Group 1 winners and ends up stable jockey for good Alfred. Wouldn't it be fantastic? But here, I just here. can't see well it myself. Said. As long well as it's said. not for side Bin Soror and she's struggling for, for winners, um, give, give her the Charlie Appleby job and away she, away she goes. But yeah, look, I, I, I 100%, that's a joke, by the way, Saeed, don't get overly upset. <laughs> He'll be having another go. Um, she's got 1.14 million in earnings this year and she's subsequent to breaking the record, ridden another two winners, including today as we record on Monday. She uh, partnered a winner for Archie Watson who's had a terrific season. So 109 winners she's on now and uh, plenty more rides to come 
before the festive period as well. So plenty more chances to extend that record a little bit further. Um, it's been a great season for the Sky Sports Racing Ambassador, Holly Doyle. What a pick from, from Sky. Uh, I could, don't think they could have dreamt of it, but well done to Holly. And she just seems to be a very, very lovely, but also extremely strong and determined person. And uh, please God, she'll stay fit and break the record again next year because she looks like an absolute superstar. Um, anything that you would like to wrap with before we, we finish up? Barry Orr. Uh, Edward Stowe was one of mine, definitely. I, I thought Goshen, who won the um, the juvenile hurl in in um, Sandown on Friday, he was really impressive. But just anyone, just a word of warning about him to any punters out there considering backing for the triumph hurl, for which he's currently nine, eight to one chance on the bet for exchange. He jumps markedly to his uh, right at every hurl. Um, when you go back and look at his first win over Hurls and even in Sandown the other day and I think it's a brave man will back him around Cheltenham then they're talking about going to Cheltenham with him in the new year for one of those trial races um, you'd want to hold your uh, uh, keep your powder dry until you see him that day but uh, for me he jumps way too out to the right to be going around Cheltenham Kev, having, to, and that's definitely a horse to put in your at the races tracker as well, but word of warning for Cheltenham. Uh, Kev, with all the talk about the two mile chasing division, what is the latest on Larishberg and a possible comeback? Um, yeah, the, he wasn't given an entry in the two mile one, grade one at Leopardstown. Probably just going to come a little bit too soon for him. He might well be out like quite quickly after. Um, the Christmas there's actually a race there for him on is it New Year's Eve or New Year's Day over hurdles. Um, and that would be a lead-in for the, the Grade 1 chase at uh, the Dublin Racing Festival. So, look, everything's A-OK. It's just a case of, um, you know, a Grade 1 race at Christmas would just be a little bit probably too much for him too soon, but um, not by much. He'll be hopefully all being well, everything crossed. Um, he'll be seen. Uh, he'll certainly be out by this time next month, and hopefully it'll be a promising return, and uh, he'll be just as he was when we last saw him. Excellent. And we'll be speaking to Joseph O'Brien on the Final Forum podcast before the Christmas period. Uh, you have written about British interference rules playing Russian roulette with jockey safety is the headline of your article for At The Races today, Kev. Yeah, going back on this again, look, I've, I've probably wrote about this topic more than any single topic in the last few years. Um, really, really, uh, oh, it's something I think about a lot because it's just, uh, I just don't think it's going to end well. Um, I've, I've shown a clip here from a race at Kempton on Thursday. Um, Jack Mitchell rode a winner and just like really, really poor riding. Um, the hard green two-year-old, first time out, um, veering towards a number of rivals and he's given another one on, um, in his right hand, horses veering left and has gone on to interfere with four horses. And it, it could have been much worse than it was. Um, you know, three day careless riding ban, won the race. Uh, it's just, you know, you, you'll see worse incidents than it, but it's just another example. Um, I, I do really worry about the, the culture that the stewarding of interference in Britain is creating amongst jockeys. There's no deterrent to doing things like this. Mm. Um, you know, what's a three-day careless riding mat? Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. There's there's no deterrent there. Uh, we've seen some horrendous cases um, in the last few years of, of horses and jockeys being put on the floor because of uh, irresponsible, dangerous riding. And um, we're only going to see more of it because there is no deterrent and um, yeah, just making the case again because, and I, and I don't like going over an old ground, but th this is just something that I think is really, really important. And 
oh, I wouldn't like to be the guy in the BHA now that's constantly ignoring calls like this if something does happen. Because, my God, I'd have a hell of a guilty conscience if uh, if some poor jockey gets mangled or killed because of uh, the sort of riding that the, the current rules enable uh, and arguably encourage. Well, Kev, we've talked about it endlessly on the podcast, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Just the way it's it's going on right now. So you're right to write about it again, and um, they need to sit up and take notice of it. They really do. On a brighter note, uh, on Thursday... I don't think there's a whole lot happening on Thursday, Barry, is there? It's a fairly quiet day in the UK. Don't think there's anything, any any real significance going on, is there? No? Well, there's the minor election, but aside from that, no, there's nothing going on. <sighs> so we've, we've got Chris Cook and Vanessa Ryle to preview the weekend's action on uh, Thursday's Final Furlan podcast. Uh, the Christmas Festival podcast will be coming at you quick and fast as well. Looking forward to those two. Um, Barry, seeing as it's your debut... What TV show are you currently binge watching? <laughs> no, Sons of Anarchy. I'm watching at the moment, and I really don't know why, because it's the worst fake Northern Ireland accents I've ever oh! heard in my life. <laughs> when they go to Northern Ireland, <laughs> it's terrible. At, at least I, at least I know now where they got the name Sam Crow for the horse from. <laughs> and, and I can tell you, Jiggenstein most definitely didn't name that horse. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's it's bad. The the Northern Ireland accents, Northern Ireland are are pretty bad in it. To be a fair, a friend of mine in work told me it's a great show. You got to watch it, and I've start watching it on Netflix. And I swear to God, I I'm questioning his sanity off the back of this, and I'll never. You know, there's some good judges, some people that you are your go-to people for TV shows or for music. But this guy, he's just gone to the bottom of the list. <laughs> Name and shame. Who is it? But, no, I can't do it. I couldn't do it to him publicly. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, Barry, on that subject, I took a, a film recommendation from someone on the podcast that isn't named Barry Orr. And uh, my, myself and herself went to the cinema there the other night. We went to see Knives Out. Oh, yeah. This was meant to be a lot better than The Irishman, from what I heard last Damn week. Damn right. Oh, yeah. We won't, we won't talk about The Irishman. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, you know, in seriousness, I actually quite like Knives Out. Um, I wouldn't go giving it whatever it's getting on Rotten Tomatoes, 19, high 90s. That'd 99%. Be yeah, that's a bit hardy for me now. There might have been some Russian click farms involved there. Um, <laughs> a good film. Would, wouldn't knock it. But, but Dee's a good judge now. And Dee loves that sort of stuff. And she... She was disappointed. Now she didn't enjoy it all that what? much. She had a she had she had a call with about an hour to go. What? It's subjective. In, 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 it's in, like fa- in fairness, to her, she, she's pretty good at at figuring out uh, these these crime capers as to what's going to happen. And to be fair to her, she had a nail a long way out. Well, hang but on like now. I, said, I didn't. I didn't mind. <laughs> it. Pity she, didn't, she didn't cop on to you a long time ago. And she can't be that good a judge. <laughs> uh, we should say that there is more than one twist in Knives Out. There are several. Well, you know, yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah. It was, it was grand. It was grand. Uh, I, I, would, I, would, I, I wouldn't go look at it again. I'll put it to you that way. Uh, Barry, go see Knives Out. It's really good. Uh, I, I'm very, very quickly, I watched something. I, I binge watched something for the first time in Yonks this week, uh, and it wouldn't be a typical one now. It's on uh, on demand on on Sky Atlantic. There, it's called Eight Days. And it's in it's in German and it's entirely in subtitles. <laughs> Brilliant, <laughs> but it's actually good. I enjoyed it. It's uh, the the whole premise is there's an asteroid heading for Earth that's going to wipe out everything. And uh, eight days, you've eight episodes counting down to when this yoke is due to hit, and it's just uh, the 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 response of humanity to what's going on. And you know, understandably, a lot of people absolutely lose their heads altogether. Uh, pretty dark stuff now. It's pretty right. dark, but. Uh, 
the last foreign TV show, subtitled that is, that I watched was Money Heist. That's a good show. Oh, okay. have, have you seen yeah. Gamora? Gamora, yeah, I've watched that. You know, Money Heist, now I could, I could recommend that. Harry Phillips, one of my colleagues in works, who's definitely an eminently better judge than the other guy. Okay. He recommended Money Heist to me. And uh, yeah, that's a really good show. It's on Netflix. Worth is, watching. It, is it about heist and money? It, it is. It is. It's about a holdup and the um, the Federal Reserve in Spain, in Madrid. Mm. Okay. True story. No, 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 so. it's fiction. No, okay. it, but it is very <laughs> but good, it's, though. It's definitely worth a watch. It is very, very okay, good. I, okay. I would highly recommend that. If you haven't seen Gamora yet, that's available on demand on, on SkyQ, and that's fantastic. The the latest season dropped there a few months ago. Um, I finished The Crown. It's really, really good. It leaves you wanting more. Yeah, see, Kennedy, you're falling into the trap again and mentioning too many things in, in, in quick succession. Well, like, these are, we, are, all, are we like, still on a horse racing podcast we're, we're, here? We we're coming like, to the festive I, period, like, I, I just gave a recommendation for an eight-part series that are about an hour long each. Barry just gave a recommendation for I don't know how many parts are in Money Heist. I'm seeing there's two seasons here, two Google seasons, tells me. Two seasons of Money Heist, yeah. <laughs> this, you can't go recommending 40 hours of television to people in the space of a minute. Hey, listen, this is the thing about Christmas time, right? Some people, and I'm, I'm very lucky, okay? I want to, to spend time with my mother and, and my cats, right? But we'll binge watch a load of TV. There's uh, friends of mine who are dreading going home. They don't want to see the family. There's certain people they don't want to be talking to, in-laws that they don't like, and they'll be putting on the headphones and just watching TV the whole way through it. So I will leave you with this recommendation. Have you watched Braveheart yet? Of course not. Nor do I have to. Thanks <laughs> to the poll. Thanks to the poll. Hearts. The poll was in my favour. Oh yes! I, I couldn't believe. Sweet, sweet to, be, to, to be fair, I didn't think deeply enough about framing that particular poll. Yeah, if, okay. if that was an Ireland-only poll, I'd imagine there would have been eighty plus percent. But more listeners in Britain. English. I, I was still surprised they got fifty-five percent. Yes, that's a that's a big percentage for you know not a general enough. audience to see any film. Not Never mind enough. one that uh, you know absolutely hammers the English from one end of it to the other. Not big enough <laughs> and and historically inaccurate. Uh, anyway, I will oh, leave you oh, with this. So. I will leave you <laughs> with this recommendation, which is Gogglebox. Obviously, uh, watch Watchmen on Sky Q. Jeremy Irons is in it. It's bizarre and brilliant and there you go that'll do uh, Barry Orr I hope you enjoyed your debut on the Final Four on podcast my friend it's been fun lads really enjoyed it I'm just glad I wasn't on with the stone picker as well I couldn't stand it <laughs> <laughs> I, I know he's listening so I just thought I'd get that in he'll be going nuts oh he'll be coming straight for you now in the Christmas special you wait for it he'll be lining up one liners to be happy hap- hopping off you on the Christmas like I special said, get your retaliation in first oh yeah that's the way to do it knee him in the balls and then run away uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to getting my hands on the Google glasses yeah they're winging their way down to you excellent and you have, you have to actually give them away in a competition now you can't just keep them yeah of course we'll give them away in a competition of course we will uh, I'll be walking around like Tony Stark talking to Jarvis we, we'll, we'll throw in a couple of tickets for uh, St. Stephen's Day or St. Boxing Day I think we should call it St. Boxing ah, Day yeah. is that our way around it <laughs> Because I heard Blakey giving out last week oh, that you were calling it St. Stephen's Day or you were calling it Boxing Day when it's St. Stephen's Day and we know you've got a big UK listenership so let's call it St. Boxing Day. St. Boxing Day. <laughs> we cover all the bases. That's not confusing we, we, at all. We, 
I'll put two tickets for um, for St. Stephen's Day Leopardstown into it as well. So there we go for the uh, listeners. Excellent. I know that Declan and the team from Leopardstown have been on to us about doing a competition, so we'll we'll do that oh, as cool. well. But that's brilliant. We'll um, we'll we'll take you up on that as well, Barry. Thank you very very much, and uh, great response to the last two shows. And I'm, I'm sure hopefully people will like this one as well. Uh, Kevin Blake from yourself. Thank you so much, my man. Good luck. And from me, Emma Kennedy, thank you for all the kind words on social media. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, lots of horses for the trackers, lots of big opinions as well. We'll talk to you on Thursday with Chris Cook and Vanessa Ryle. Until then, from everybody at Betfair and at the races, God bless. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange, proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast. Have you downloaded the free at the races app yet? With easy to use race cards and form, Expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracers.com forward slash app for more details.